Welcome to Bibliophiles, a podcast for lit lovers. In today's episode, the Center for Lit team continues its quest to discover the great ideas in books of every description, ancient classics to fresh bestsellers, epic poems to bedtime stories. We're glad you came along. We hope you find this discussion as provocative and inspiring as the books themselves. Want to join the great conversation? Stay tuned. You've come to the right place. Welcome back to Bibliophiles, everyone. Adam Andrews with you once again. Glad to be along for another sparkling edition, another sparkling episode, another episode where literally anything can happen, or I should say, literarily anything can happen. Oh. That's probably oh good. That, that's too cheesy to make the final cut, I bet. <laughs> well, welcome back. Thanks to, uh, thanks to all the Center for Lit crew for being with us. Uh, we'll do a quick round of introductions as usual. I'm Adam Andrews, and I'm joined by my wonderful family, my wife, Missy. Hi. My daughter, Megan. Hi. My son, Ian. Hey. And my daughter-in-law, Emily. Hello. Glad you guys could be here. Let's jump right in to a brand new topic. Uh, the question on the table for the Center for Lit crew today is, what is an education and do you really need one? And I put the question to us this way because the second half seems so obvious that it drives us back to the first half to do what I think we all should do when thinking about this topic, define our terms. Mm. The reason I want to talk about this today is because as we look around us as educators, as teachers, as readers, as parents, and we see things like the rise of the common core in public education, that outcome-based curriculum where passing a predetermined test that's supposed to define and quantify sufficient knowledge becomes the goal and the aim of the teaching process, where we look at the developments in college entrance exams and the, uh, the ways that the content in those exams has been politicized and is being developed with particular population groups in mind, uh, the rise of alternative college entrance exams, like the, the classical learning test, which is gaining some traction in classical circles. This what some might call the general demise of liberal arts colleges, the explosion of vocational training. All these things suggest to me that the question is very much on the minds of educators these days, on the minds of teachers and parents. What is an education? How do we define it? How do we quantify it? How do we go about getting it? Who is the proper subject of an education? And speaking of subjects, what are the proper subjects that make one up? So I think that there's enough evidence, just anecdotal evidence around us to suggest that this is an important topic. I thought the Center for Lit crew might be, uh, if not equipped, at least interested in batting that question around a little bit. So I'm going to go ahead and throw it open for comment and conversation among the Center for Lit crew. What in the world is an education and do you really need one? At random, Emily, you're first. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> um, well, I think that my answer might be uh, controversial. That's why I picked you. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think that an education is the process of coming to know yourself. And that the more that you come to know yourself, the more you learn that you are not a God and that perhaps there is a God and that you are in need of him, even if there isn't. And because the process of education is the process of learning that fact, 
there are a lot of ways that it can look and um, it doesn't necessarily have to follow a stringent classroom pattern. Mm, interesting. That was a very full answer, a thorough answer that anticipated a lot of follow-up questions like, what is it supposed <laughs> to look like if you start with what is what actually is the term? Ian, how would you respond to to Emily's first salvo in the conversation? Oh, I dig it. I think that's totally awesome. <laughs> Probably how I would have started to respond, though, is that we need to back up exactly one question before we can have a profitable one about what an education is and what it looks like. Um, the first question I would say comes to mind for me, and I think for probably a lot of people, is what is an education supposed to do for you? What's okay. the end result? And we can kind of answer this one of two ways. We can say an education is for you, the person, in, and it is useful for um, making you a complete human being, right? For for completing the architecture of the human soul, we could say. Okay. Or and the other one, which is gaining steam and popularity pretty rapidly, an education is for producing a product for you in your life. And that product has to do with monetary gain or usefulness in the workplace or whatever the case may be. I which see. is why I think that we see the rise of, of vocational uh, tra you know, job training being called education a lot more frequently these days. So, I th yeah, that's the first question I would ask is, what is it for? What's an education good for? So, Emily, given, then, given Ian's response, how would you answer that question, given what you started out by saying? Well, I will be even more controversial and say that to say that education is for creating a product is to form a worldview in which a human's worth depends on their productivity in the world or the things that they do with their hands. And because I don't believe that's true, then I think that the kind of training that Ian is talking about is um, can be useful for a practical life, but isn't necessary. Isn't necessary to an education, rightly so-called, you mean? Yeah. Oh, boy. We're lighting things on fire now. Megan, how do you respond to those ideas? Are Emily and Ian on the right track, or would you add something, change something in their growing definition of education? Oh man, I don't know. I, I like where Ian was going with um, what's the what's the end goal that we have in mind with an education? Mm -hmm. Is it um, is it job training? Is it pulling down big bucks later in life, or is it the cultivation of the soul? And I definitely fall more in the second camp because Simon Andrews and a Center for Lit crew member, and we think that. <laughs> But I just think of that C.S. Lewis quote, my own eyes are not enough for me. I will see through those of others. Mm. That's what I think of as a great education, um, rubbing shoulders with all kinds of great minds and um, perspective on the world from, from lots and lots of people and seeing more clearly both yourself and the world around you. Mm. Hopefully that's the goal of an education, to see who you are in relation to the world and to the God who made you, mm. you know? Mm. So, so in your view, Megan, the thing that Emily said a minute ago about the process by which you arrive at that self-knowledge, that knowledge of God, whatever, can probably look a lot of different ways. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you can you can discover yourself, you can be drawn out of yourself um, through encounters with all kinds of different subjects. I mean, it could be a scientific approach, um, or it could be literary. Uh, it is, in my case, more mm -hmm. literary because of my interest. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, rubbing shoulders with ideas that are bigger than you is the experience that causes you to think of yourself differently, mm. you know? I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, I think so. That That's something starting to take shape in my mind. Let, let's get, um, Missy, what about you? Let's get your idea. 
What would you add? What would you change about this growing definition we're working on? Oh, I don't know that I would change much. I, I like the way that this is shaping up. Um, it's not a new question. This Certainly idea not. What is an education? What good is an education? I mean, people have been having this conversation for generations. In fact, every generation has to have this conversation as if for the first time. Right? Plato's Republic jumps to mind. Yes. Yes. But I think it's helpful to start etymologically. You know, let's start with where did this word come from? And the roots of the word education uh, come from the Latin educare, from duco, du, ducere, ducere. I don't speak Latin myself, but Most of I us am don't. familiar with it. And uh, it means to lead or to guide. And so educare means to lead or guide out of. The question is, what is an individual being led out of if he is being educated? And I think the idea that he's being led out of himself um, is a pretty good one. Because if you think about a human soul when he's born is entirely self-oriented, you know? Um, he is the God of his own little universe. He screams and mom answers. And it, by degrees, as, um, as he grows, he comes to realize that he's not alone in the world and that um, although he's the special object of love and affection, he's not the only object of love and affection mm -hmm. in the universe. And um, hopefully he learns that the whole universe doesn't necessarily revolve around him. So that process of being drawn out of oneself and into community with others, um, learning one's place in the world, I, I think that's education. It involves acquiring knowledge, which is a word that you guys were kind of bantering around there. And, um, you know, there was a guy who lived in Victorian England, John Henry, Cardinal Newman. He lived around 1800 to 1890. And he was both an Anglican clergyman for a while and then converted to Roman Catholicism, but he worked in education for a time. And he wrote this lecture, a bunch of lectures, actually, a series of lectures on education that were eventually published under the title, The Idea of a University. And he talked about this idea of what an education is as well and distinguished much like um, Ian did between two different kinds of education. He called them useful and liberal and he equated useful education with what Ian would have called a technical or a mechanical education and a liberal education with a more general or philosophical education. Okay. And distinguished even, even further by saying that the useful education, the technical education, majored in specifics. Specifics. So we wouldn't call it so much knowledge as information. Okay. And he talked about the philosophical education being way more general, a general pursuit of knowledge. And he said that it was that knowledge in proportion as it tends more and more to be particular actually ceases to be knowledge. That knowledge by definition is broader than its particular applications. So any education that's worthy of the name should really major in knowledge, the pursuit of knowledge this broad thing rather than specific, mm -hmm. rather than focusing exclusively on specific information. Yes. And he said, here's, this is a quote, the principle of real dignity of knowledge, its worth, its desirableness, considered irrespective of its results, is this germ within it of scientific or philosophical process. This is how it comes to be an end in itself. So he argues that this kind of liberal knowledge, philosophical knowledge, is an end of its own. A 
as opposed to something that we apply to a different end. And would you say that that taking your cue from Newman, that education then is the acquiring of this kind of philosophical knowledge of the self, of the world, of God, et cetera? Yes, absolutely. And one of the reasons is that it doesn't eliminate um, the value of particular knowledge, right? That information, because it partakes of it. It just isn't limited by it. Maybe it, it in the same puts way. it in a context. Yeah, it, it employs it perhaps. And, you know, nobody wants to denigrate the usefulness of um, information, technical, knowledge. Yeah, technical yeah. knowledge. or I mean, we're very reliant upon it, especially in, in our particular generation. It serves us. And we are grateful to the people that spend their time and energy applying their own knowledge and skill in those endeavors. But, um, but if we limit the acquisition of knowledge, that is, if we limit education to nothing more than applied knowledge, then we limit our ability to conceive of new ideas. Emily, is this kind of what you were hitting at as well when you started us off today? Yeah, I think so. It sounds like what mom is saying is that we are engaged in a definition of terms. And and I heard you, Emily, saying this a minute ago, that it's not that technical pursuits aren't useful or good. It's that they don't belong in a definition of education, rightly so-called. And it seems like when, as mom is sort of interpreting Newman for us, that he would suggest the same thing, that what we're talking about is the definition of the term education and that the proper definition has something to do with this more general philosophical type of knowledge. Would you agree, Emily? Yeah. And and I think like I was saying before, that it goes back to where you think the value of humanity comes from. If our if it comes down to our production, then of course, if the end goal of humanity is production, we need to spend our time learning different skills. But but if it's not, if it's something else, then we need to shape our education to those ends. And so I think a question to add into the conversation would be what what is a human being being educated toward? What is the nature of a human being? Yeah, And right. how does that affect our education? And what is the end of man or something like that, right? Yeah. It's a great question. And I think it's probably fair to say that, that, that talking about a definition of the term sort of begs the question. The definition of human education begs the question, uh, what are humans to be educated for? What is, their, what is the highest state of humanity. And it's a little philosophical, I suppose, but as mom said a minute ago, it's an idea that's been, you know, been with us since the dawn of Western civilization. Surely. Um, I'm just thinking of, believe it or not, thinking of Aristotle today (laughs) and you center for lit denizens know just how rare that is. Not much of an Aristotelian, (laughs) but I was thinking about Aristotle reading the Nicomachean ethics this morning and uh, (laughs) wherein Aristotle talks about the various kinds of pleasures and as the, as the pleasures ascend in greatness and value, they become, A, more and more human, and B, more and more of the mind, until he gets to the highest virtue of all, which is, frankly, thinking. Mm-hmm. Philosophy being the highest human pursuit. The definition of education that seems to be bubbling to the surface of this conversation uh, seems like it comports with that. Yeah, I mean, basically, um, today... Philosophy is being dethroned as, you know, one of the queens, along with religion, of the sciences. And now science technology, 
right, is the queen. That's, that is in the ascendancy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So um, that more, more or less, that's the argument that I think we get on the street. Let me jump back to something that Ian said a minute ago um, about, and I, Ian, I can't remember exactly how you put it, but let me just ask you this question. Is the kind of education we're talking about, and if this is the definition of education, is education then an end in itself? Is it one of the highest human goods that it's worth going for in and of itself? Or is it a means to another end? How would you answer that? That's an awesome question. Um, I think it. I think education is an end. I think it has to be an end. To call it a means to an end would imply something that I think is really untrue, which is that an education can be acquired, period, and then you're done and you're moving on to some other stage of your <laughs> can life. Can it have an end, you mean? But that just hasn't, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That just hasn't been my experience, right? And I, I defy any of our listeners, this this sounds very feisty, but... That is very feisty. Is you are very right feisty. There. Anyway, I defy any of our listeners to try and convince me that they acquired their education at a particular point in time and then were done <laughs> and have since then had leisure to think about whatever they'd like. But that, that's just not how... That's not how it goes, right? Uh-huh. To be a human being is to is to grow, hopefully to mature, to learn, to change. And I think an education um, affects the way that we do that, affects the way we think about doing it, but is in and of itself the process of growth and change that human beings encounter over the course of their lives full of experience. Um, so it's an, it's, it is, it's an end, not a means. Although I have to say something bothering me is that I think that it's also, I mean, in a way, you're right, and I completely agree with you, but then also it's a means to humility, right? And and that's never a finished process. We're always always in need to return back to a state of humility. Mm-hmm. But it's not just technical training that's an issue here. Something bothering me is looking at the the reaction to that, which is which is why I laughed when you said you were reading Aristotle, is that we have to read these ancient authors and we have to dedicate ourselves to becoming their perfect scholar or whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but that it, it's not the opposite either, that it doesn't have to look like a set reading list, you know, like you can encounter mm-hmm. it in in a variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm perfectly comfortable saying that it isn't necessarily literature, like Megan was saying. Right. Um, yeah. It doesn't it have something to do, while I agree with you, Ian, that education is a lifetime pursuit, there is a period of time in which we go get an education so that we can continue our own education, continue to educate ourselves for a lifetime. And doesn't that have something to do with a process of training the intellect, training the mind to yeah, handle would, ideas and I, to consider it things. Does. Yeah. I would call it schooling. And and that's the that's the acquisition of the tools necessary to go and get oneself an education. But I, I guess, I guess the, and the reason I'm being so, such a stickler on that particular term is I don't want to confuse our listeners here. We're talking about education in principle, what an education is in its highest form, right? The platonic, if you'll per- permit me the term, the platonic form of an education and what it is and what it's for. But then we're also bringing into the conversation the difference between a technical education and a literary one which brings us down to the level of tactics. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get those two conversations confused. If we're talking about tactics, then I'm going to be a real stickler. There's schooling, which happens between the ages of whenever you can begin to answer simple questions and whenever you get out of high school or college. And during those period of years, you acquire all the tools that you need to spend the rest of your life getting an education. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's I would fair go along too. with that. Okay. Yeah, actually, Newman would go along with you. He says... 
This process of training by which the intellect, instead of being formed or sacrificed to some particular or accidental purpose, some specific trade or profession or study or science, is disciplined for its own sake, for the perception of its own proper object, and for its own highest culture, is called liberal education. And though there is no one in whom it is carried as far as is conceivable, or whose intellect would be a pattern of what intellects should be, or should be made, yet there is scarcely anyone but may gain an idea of what real training is and at least look towards it and make its true scope and result not something else, his standard of excellence. And numbers there are who may submit themselves to it and secure it to themselves in good measure and to set forth a right standard and to train according to it and to help forward all students toward it according to their various capacities. This I conceive to be the business of a university. This he would conceive of as the business of education. And what is that goal then? What is that goal towards which the the teacher is leading the students? What is the end towards which uh, Ian says the educated man, the schooled man or woman should then strive once receiving his or her diploma? What is it that uh, that education as we're as we are defining it is pointed at? Well, Emily it... suggests that it's something like humility. Mm. Is it is it a character trait? Is it a is education supposed to be aimed at a particular virtue? It, I think it does say? partake of virtue, maybe not a single virtue, but a multitude that basically education and knowledge is not the pursuit of um, simply information that you could um, kind of milk out of reading material, but that it has something to do with contemplation and um, through contemplation of those ideas that are outside of you coming to terms with the world and your place in it. You know, yeah, in in a kind of scientific sort of a way, and I don't mean scientific as in a science lab, but scientific in in terms of organized, right? Like organized process of taking the measure of your own mind against the world and all of the things you find within it, in order to, and I think that does have something to do with the nature of virtue. It's going to partake of virtue. Well, let me ask Emily again, Emily, how would you respond to that? Because you're the one that suggested humility more than once. Well, I, I guess I was thinking less of virtue and more as a means toward neediness. It, I mean, I'm kind of taking this all in a really Christian direction, but the ultimate need of a human being is to recognize his own neediness. Right. Yeah. If, if you are comparing, if that, if the process of comparing your own mind to other great minds who have come against this is the way in which you reach that, then, and, and that has been true that has been a proven way of reaching that across time. So then, yes, I would agree. I think I would too. I think I would, uh, I would say that the kind of education we're talking about, and I want to follow this up with a real important question. Don't let me forget to, to ask the group here, what good is this in the world? Because I think that's really important. But I think the kind of education we're talking here is properly aimed at a Maybe maybe you call it spiritual, maybe you call it psychic, maybe you call it existential knowledge of the self mm. that is true. Some sort of existential true knowledge of the self in his actual state as a human being in the world. I think that's the proper goal of an education. And that sort of definition corresponds to what Missy was suggesting from Newman corresponds to what Emily was suggesting when she mentions humility corresponds to what Ian is suggesting by saying that it's a lifelong pursuit. I want to suggest that it has to do with a lifelong pursuit of knowing yourself mm-hmm. the way you really are. And I think that's partly intellectual 
maybe even partly biological, physiological, scientific, but there's also a spiritual component and a for lack of a better term, an existential component, a philosophical component to it. Yeah. And I, because of that, I, would, I wouldn't I would be satisfied with that definition alone, just knowing yourself, because that's too too small. That That's small game, just knowing yourself. You want to also know others, right? You want to know yourself. You want to know others. You want to know the world that you live in. And then you want to seek to know the one who created it. Right. Um, so yes, first you want to come to know yourself, but for the purpose of knowing those other people as well. Um, I, I really like Newman on this. He, he says, he says that this kind of knowledge is an acquired illumination. It is a habit, a personal possession, and an inward endowment. And this is the reason why it's more correct, as well as more usual, to speak of a university as a place of education than of instruction. Though, when knowledge is concerned, instruction would, at first sight, have seemed the more appropriate work. And a little further down, he says, education is a higher word. Yeah. It implies an action upon our mental nature and the formation of a character. It is something individual and permanent yep. and is commonly spoken of in connection with religion and virtue. Hmm. When then we speak of the communication of knowledge as being education, we thereby really imply that that knowledge is a state or condition of mind. And since cultivation of mind is surely worth seeking for its own sake, we are thus brought once more to the conclusion, which the word liberal and the word philosophy have already suggested, that there is a knowledge which is desirable, though nothing come of it, as being of itself a treasure and a sufficient remuneration of years of labor. There is the point. This is my next question. If the kind of education that we are striving for is, has been defined so far today. If we're on the right track, what in the world good is it? Because it's a good in and of itself. I want to ask this to Megan. Megan, your turn. <laughs> what in the world good is an education? Mom says, and uh, along with Newman, and I'm not going to put mom, this in mom's mouth because Newman said it before she did, and I, frankly, Plato and Aristotle said it before Newman, but let's say it for ourselves in our own idiom. What good is this? We're in, we live in a world where you go to college in order to get a job so you can pay back your college debt. If, if you are spending that time pursuing something that is its own reward, though no remuneration come of all your efforts of labor, as Newman says, what in the world good is that? So what good is it to have gone through all of this and to have obtained an education? Is that the question? Yeah. How are you better off? Um, Why is it worth it? Why does Newman say it's worth it? Oh, man. I don't know. Mom might be better for this one because she has some very strong opinions about Newman, and I don't feel so strongly about Newman himself. I Well, me either, and I understand that, but I want to... Well, never mind Newman. Talk about the ideas. I know, but Newman's ideas, you might be better for that. I, I have my own ideas about what I think education is good for, but it doesn't have to do with Newman. Uh, no, no. I, I'm sorry. I misspoke. I wasn't asking what you think of Newman. I was asking what you think. What I think. Yes. What's an about education good ideas. for? Yeah. I think... Well, it's going to sound so shallow in comparison. Well... <laughs> You know? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we all I mean, sound we, we, we just next to Cardinal wow. Newman. <laughs> Up in the clouds, and now I'm like down here, I don't know, kindergarten, basically. <laughs> Why do you think I quoted him, Megs? <laughs> I basically I feel like I think life with an education is so much more interesting. There like, you go. I love that. Before your mind is really awake, before you've been let out, and before you've met the other people in the world, really, and stopped seeing yourself everywhere you went, because that was all the perspective that you had, your world was really small. Yeah. And when you have undergone an education and been shown some obstacles that are too big for you to get over and seen how small you really are and how needy and how the person next to you is the same. 
and you get to know their kind of neediness and go through this process that we've been kind of running at the mouth about for the past 10 or 15 minutes. Your world is bigger and it's, um, it's humbling, like Emily said, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. fascinating. And the process of an education is, is integral to having that kind of perspective mm-hmm. in the end. Can you, okay. It's I, enlarging. I agree. L- let me jump to, to something that Emily suggested this, this week as we were getting ready for this talk. What about the question, and maybe I'll ask you this, Emily, is education then, if Megan's right, if the benefits are so dramatic and profound, is it some sort of moral necessity? Do we, must we educate? Yeah, I I really like what Megan said at the beginning when, or I forget exactly what she said, but I just have this nagging feeling that there's really not that much writing on it, that Mm -hmm. that education is an activity that has been given us to do for our enjoyment on this earth. And it does, it makes life more fascinating and um, more moving and enjoyable uh, in a deeper way. But I just, I just don't know if there's all that much writing on it. Are you sure? Interesting. I don't know if I agree with you about that. Well, you... Hold on before, before you unleash on wait, me. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I never unleash Emily. What do you mean? <laughs> oh goodness. Um, because what, if I was saying was true at the beginning that, that it's a process of reaching humility, then yes, that is necessary in order for seeing yourself as a creature in need. And then yes, of course, it's not just an activity, but I guess maybe what I'm talking about is more what Ian was talking about in schooling, the process of getting there. I can envision a situation in which God uses someone who has no access to the great books to still lead them through an educating process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but as far as the technique, as far as study goes, then that, yes, is an activity that has been given to us for fun. I love that. So education has, is a process of self-discovery, of discovering the world that has been given to us for fun. Isn't C.S. Lewis on about that as well in The Abolition of Man? I feel like he's talking about a lot of things, but he mentions that the whole man is really important in terms of an education, reason and emotion and appetite all together, the head, the chest and the belly. He talks about them in that particular way. Mm -hmm. And his thesis in the end is that that all those three elements should exist in a man. And an education is the process of discovering all three and balancing them. Wouldn't you say? Yes, I certainly wouldn't disagree. I guess what I want to, I don't disagree that an education can be a a lot of fun, but I guess I want to suggest that I think there is a lot riding on the idea of education and the process of educating. Um, I'm not sure I agree that it doesn't matter because um, getting back to the, the origin of the term itself, we need to be led out of ourselves and left to ourselves. I'm not sure that we would necessarily be led out of ourselves. But we, Emily, we need to be led, right? Right. But I Emily's mean, saying that that the 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 part that's that's been given to us for fun is the great books facet of it. Right. Okay. She's suggesting that the educating process. Well, I'm not saying, Go ahead, Emily. Well, I'm not saying that it's fun as an entertainment because obviously it, it can be a great deal of work. I'm saying that the result is something that is fruitful and enjoyable and uh and extra element of life that has been given to us that makes us uh, more wholly human. But I don't know if 
that particular process, if one process over the other is more morally right. Morally superior. Well, morality, okay, we can we can talk about that too that is if you want. where we started, Mom. Yes, more, definitely. That was the question that but she was answering. I guess I want to get back to the idea of... Um, of becoming more fully human. Let's talk about that okay. a little bit, that idea Sweet. of becoming more fully human. Because in a sense, um, left to ourselves, we'd be partially human. You know what I mean? I mean, left to ourselves, we'd we would be, be reason and appetite. Yes, perhaps. we'd be the belly, right? Right, As opposed to the head. Um, but you wouldn't want to suggest... Or, or maybe we'd be the belly and the head, but not the, but heart, not the heart that governs That's what it. Lewis There'd says. be no heart, like Lewis said, to really... Um, take precedence and direct between the two, hold court between the two. Discern and, virtue. Yes, there'd be. That's where the morality comes in. Mm-hmm. Is there that issue of the heart? And I think that that's what Newman is on about in this particular section when he's talking about education being a, a possession, an illuminating possession that you carry with you forever. That's why it's an end in and of itself. And um, he separates it a bit from the activities of learning, right? There are lots of activities of learning that we can engage in that might encourage the acquisition of knowledge. Mm -hmm. But the knowledge itself comes, I think there are a lot of people that go through the activities of learning, the activities of acquiring information or what have you, that never really do get to the illumination part. And I'm not talking just about kids in grammar school and in high school. I'm talking about adults who've gone through college who've never really gotten to the part of reflection. Um, They've never gotten past that acquisition stage to the reflection stage Mm -hmm. that would do its work on their inner souls and make them more human um, for it. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's what real education is about. Yeah. And but it is an ongoing process. Ian's right. It is a lifetime process. The implication, the question on the table though is, is that process that you're describing a moral necessity? In other words, can you be fully human without it? Well, I think if you are without it, you're likely to behave in an inhumane way. Um, it produces inhumanity. I mean, this, if we follow is, C.S. On. Lewis, no, if we follow <laughs> C.S. Lewis's idea, and we've been talking about the abolition of man here, what we would have is a lot of uh, a lot of heads and bellies walking around rumbling and, you know, gratifying themselves. And we'd be living in a world without any humanity at all because the heart is what governs humanity. Ian, go. Right. I guess what I'm saying, though, is that same confusion that I tried to articulate earlier, I think, is to, is is at play again here. Because when Lewis is talking about an education, he's talking about an education as we've been trying to define it, right? An education that that produces a more human individual that completes the architecture of the soul, as we said earlier. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of education that Lewis is talking about. Um, that kind of an education can be gotten more than one way, and reading the great books is only one of them. Right? Yes. There, are, there are a lot of extremely well-educated, in that sense, with full souls, humane souls, compassionful souls. That's what Emily's been trying to say. Did you ask that question? Yeah. The great books, whether they should be involved in an education? Oh, I don't know if I did. Yeah, I don't think we'd even ask that question. That's what I hear you answering. You're answering the question whether or not the great books are necessary in the pursuit of an education, and that's an entirely different question. And I think you're right when you say that, well, not necessarily. They are useful right. in the pursuit of real education because they allow us to chart other men pursuing an education themselves. Is that what you were saying, Emily? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, good. We had all the fun of arguing, but we weren't really disagreeing. We weren't really talking about the same question. 
I love that. That's just brilliant. Megan, your turn. Change the subject for us. I do. I feel like it's a change of subject. Maybe I shouldn't ask it, but I was just confused by the phrasing of your question in the first place. Is education a moral necessity? Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm stuck on the word moral, moral and ethical. All those things kind of get mixed up in my mind. And it caused a question in me, is the goal of education to create virtuous moral beings? And can that be true if even outside of Christianity. I mean, education is important. We're Christian and we think that way, but education is important to people who aren't Christian as well. And are they also looking for virtue and morality as the goal of an education? I feel like they might be a little bit. <laughs> I feel like they might be. I feel like they might be, even in just a um, you know peaceful society kind of a way. They're looking to create citizens who are moral and upright. I don't know. I think it takes it in a whole different direction that we don't need to go, but it's a question that I had. It's a good question. And you know, what I wanted to say when you asked that question is, do you mean, do we have to educate? Is it a moral imperative that we educate? Yeah. Um, Or do you mean, uh, is education in and of itself a moral activity? Oh, okay. I see what you mean. That's two different senses of that. What do you mean? Well, I was sort of thinking that the, the former was sort of the, the question I had in mind. Should we, as as parents and teachers, feel a burden to uh, f- pursue this kind of education as a requirement? And should we feel compelled by the laws of nature or the laws of God or something like that to pursue this for ourselves and for our students? As if there were, as if their souls were riding on it. And that does sort of contain the question, can you be fully human in the fullest sense without this kind of education? Well, you'd have to exclude a large segment of the population if you answered um, in the affirmative. I think you would too. And that's why, and I think that's where Emily was coming from when she said, there's not as much writing on it as sometimes we think, because there are whole sectors of any population that are uh, outside the bounds of this kind of education by virtue of... Um, well, disease. Yeah, exactly. For example, we would have to eliminate anyone that can't um, pursue rigorous intellectual life um, from the human category, and that's nonsense. But I think I think thinking about the implications of that can be really uh, liberating for those of us, in particular for those of us who are educators, maybe even more focused, those of us who are homeschool educators who have taken on a giant burden of responsibility for the education of our own students. I think it might be liberating for us to remember something along the lines of what Emily said, that this is one of the blessings given to us in the world for our pleasure and enjoyment and happiness that will eventually produce all kinds of wonderful results. Fruits. All kinds of fruits, but that existentially speaking, there's nothing riding on it. Emily, is that kind of what you were trying to say a minute ago? Yeah, I I just... we. We all have a ton of opinions, as has been perfectly clear in this <laughs> We love to fight about them, and it's a fun thing that we do, and, and we air those opinions. But I wouldn't want anyone to walk away listening to what we think about how you should read or uh, how you should write, et cetera, et cetera, and feel a cloud over their head yeah. to to make sure that the next time they go do that, they do that perfectly, exactly like we said, because we're just we're just airing our opinions and it's fun and, and everyone has opinions and they should feel free to think for themselves. And, but and yes, but really can I stop you there? On it. But everyone should, everyone should feel free to think. I just want to stop with that, to think to the degree 
that we are capable of thinking. We ought to. And really, doesn't it just sort of boil down to that? Education is about thoughtful reflection. Mm -hmm. And we were, because we were created separate from the beasts as, you know, we were created in the image of God with the ability to think rationally, to consider, to reflect, Mm -hmm. um, to take the measure of our own thoughts, to watch ourselves thinking as, as dad is fond of saying, you know, that's a particularly human activity. Right. And I think part of being healthy is pursuing that to Mm -hmm. the degree that we're capable of pursuing it in the same way that, you know, part, we're not only minds, we're also bodies and our bodies wither and die without attention. We need to feed our bodies. We need to exercise our bodies. We must take care of our bodies because they're a fact of our humanity. Uh, We have minds, we have intellects and they'll atrophy. They'll fail to grow if we don't nourish them properly. Um, I, I think education is about that, that human faculty. And it's an important one. I don't think anybody's saying it isn't. I think we all agree on that. That's a good reminder. I think the other reminder is good as well. And in our, in our particular, in the particular milieu that we work in every day, there's a lot of pressure to pursue this kind of education as um, a defining achievement. And I think it's, in addition to what you say, Missy, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think it's always healthy to remember that in the end, we're going to be as finite as we were in the beginning. Of course. That there is no actual progress towards... Godhood? Uh, yeah. No, as a matter of fact, education, education will will reveal exactly the opposite. It will reveal your humanity and make you more aware of your humanity, make you more fully human in yeah. your activities and in your thinking processes, not make you a god. Let me end today with a, a very practical question, which is this, and I'll take an answer from all four of you. Is the kind of education we are talking about today worth four years of college debt if you come out the end of it with an English major or a philosophy major or some other sort of major that is perfectly useless in the marketplace? (laughs) Megan, go. Oh, man. I mean, obviously, I think yes, because I did that. (laughs) I'm enjoying it. I think it's great. Well, I may also, be paying on college debt for the rest of my minute, life. Your turn. But <laughs> go, go ahead. I may be in debt till I'm 80 and gray, but <laughs> I think I, I will enjoy my life as a result of it. So I, I like it. So you think that the enjoyment of the kind of education we're talking about, the self-knowledge, the pleasure, the philosophical pleasure is worth it? I think so. 10 out of 10 would recommend. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Missy, go. You're Your also turn. creating a false dichotomy, though, when you say that, when you ask that question, because you're suggesting that if you choose a liberal education, it will not translate into fruitfulness in the marketplace. And that's, that's simply, that doesn't follow. That's simply false. Good answer. Emily, your turn. I'm with Megan. I certainly hope it's true as uh, someone's still in the process of paying off college. <laughs> I certainly hope yeah, it's true. Good. Love it. Ian? Um, would you restate the question, please? I feel like we've gone through a couple is this, different Is the of kind of education we're talking about worth a, um, a college degree that's not uh, practical, technical, and a mountain of debt to go with it? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely, I think so. If only because um, beautiful things are worthy. I think beautiful things are worthy. Something doesn't have to be attached to a product in order to be worthy of your consideration, worthy of blessing you and and filling up your mind and your heart and your experiences with with reflection. 
And that's what an education is for. And I'll side with mom on this one. I think the kind of study that we're advocating is um, good for everyone, whether it's a moral necessity or not, I don't know, but it is good for everyone. There's, I don't think there's a case in which it doesn't do something for you that's worthwhile. Mm. So absolutely, go get one. Great. Let me, uh, let me add my own two cents in as we close. Uh, and that is to suggest that the uh, ability to handle ideas that comes from the kind of self-knowledge we're talking about, like philosophical education that we're talking about, the ability to handle ideas and to communicate them and to use language, which is the stuff, the nuts and bolts of this kind of education, um, is the number one skill that corporate bosses and employer employers are looking for ab- almost above all else. All other things being equal, the liberally educated person will end up ahead in the marketplace. Not that that's a justification for it, but it is actually a side benefit of the kind of education we're mm-hmm. talking about. The pleasure that Megan is talking about and that Emily alludes to um, is that that Ian mentioned earlier in the hour. That's the end that this kind of education shoots for. But it Along doesn't preclude... The way, Exactly right. Along the way, I believe this kind of education makes more fruitful any other pursuit mm-hmm. you could possibly imagine. So let me just give you that little food for thought in closing. Thank you guys for your participation as usual in this sparkling. I just want to return to the word sparkling discussion of <laughs> what is an education. Um, go on, read your Aristotle when we get done. And uh, to all of our listeners, you Andrew all Newman. do the same. And ch- yeah, pick up Cardinal Henry Newman if you want to. Um, this is the end of another Bibliophiles episode. Thank you again for tuning in. <laughs> if you get a chance, go wherever you get your podcasts and rate us. Give us a five-star rating because you love Bibliophiles. Also, if you get the chance, come by the website, centerforlit.com. And check and see what resources we've got available for readers, teachers, thinkers, and just all around regular guys. We are glad that you joined us once again. And until we meet again, happy reading. Happy Happy reading. reading. Bibliophiles is a production of the Center for Lit Podcast Network. Find new episodes each month on the web at centerforlit.com where you'll discover dozens of resources to equip and inspire you to participate in the great conversation, including the Pelican Society, a membership program for folks who love the Center for Lit approach to all things literary. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, happy reading, everyone.